Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of family and children's discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Oh, well, Tony, it's good to be back with you. Uh, how have you been since the last time we spoke? <laughs> I've been doing well in the uh, last uh, few minutes. So uh, it's been an uh, uneventful past few minutes, which is fortunate. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Um, okay, yeah, we had we recorded the first episode, which it does relate to uh, what we're going to get into today. But um, <clears throat> so we'll, we'll just get right into it. Um, Tony, how do you know when you've had too much of something? Uh, how do you know when you? I think when you have to go to the doctor because of it, it would probably be a uh, good way to <laughs> too much of something. Is that like too much bacon or? Yeah. Although, yeah, I wonder if that is even possible. You know, I guess technically, medically, it's very possible to have too much bacon. <laughs> yeah. How do you know? I saw. I saw something uh, when I was in high school. It was like every piece of bacon. Um, and every every piece of bacon takes off five minutes of your life, or you know something like that. Um, I don't know how they can calculate that, but um, I do enjoy bacon. I don't eat it very often. Yeah. But there can be. Can you ha- let me ask you this? Can you have too much of a good thing? I think certainly. I think for many things, I think you can. Uh, life is meant to have variety, and too much of a good thing. Uh, I think it it makes us expect it, and I think it even takes away from. Uh, how good of experience that good thing becomes. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, there's uh, broccoli is a good thing. Now, do, you don't like broccoli, it do you? It is not a good really thing. Do. It is not a good thing, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I had broccoli earlier. I like broccoli, but I know you, you can't do. only have a <laughs> what? I know you do. You like all the you like all the nasty foods. <laughs> So, but you can't have a diet of only broccoli or, you know, green beans or, and now some people do have a, the, the meat only diet. Uh, I don't really know about that. Uh, kind of question the, the wisdom of that, but, um, Hey, I, yeah, have, a, like said, I have a, I have a seafood diet. I see food and I eat it. <laughs> oh, well, Hey man, if it works for you, um, gotta it eat big doesn't. to get big. So. But yeah, there, there is, there's meant to be variety in life, and God doesn't intend for us to just spend all of our time just doing one thing. Um, even those who are devoted to more of a, you know, I guess a role in the church or something like that, you're not only to do one thing. And so when it comes to the, when it comes to family discipleship, we're, we're all about family discipleship, but there's the danger, I think, that we can spend too much time with that or too, giving too much attention to um, our our little nuclear family unit that's there at our address to the neglect of uh, the whole church. And so that's the, what we want to talk about today. But um, just to kind of lay the groundwork, Tony, what, briefly and kind of generally, what's the Lord's role and his purpose for the family? Yeah, uh, so I, I put a couple things. I think one, and very general, going back to 
even the beginning of Genesis, I think the family is created for the flourishing of society uh, so that society might be developed, so that the earth might be filled up and sustainably. Uh, but also the home is a launching pad for the next generations. Uh, how the home is, is is how the world will be in the next generations. I think biblically, especially uh, in light of Deuteronomy 6 and Ephesians 6, uh, it's a spiritual training ground. Uh, but the last thing I'll say about the purpose, I think it's typological. I think the family, especially the marriage, uh, points to Christ's relationship with this church. Uh, and so points to something that is eternal, that is more significant than family itself. That's good. Uh, that's just very to the point. And I want to do an episode on marriage relates to the family discipleship. And I was actually working on it for this. And then I thought, well, it's not ready yet. So, um, well, Tony, how long will our family units last? Uh, it depends on how much bacon you eat, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's a century. I mean, you know, I don't know how long the longest marriage has ever been in history, but I would assume even for those who live an insane amount of time, uh, at, at best about a century, uh, but most of the time far less than that. Uh, but we won't really be family into eternity. I mean, the concept of family that we have, I mean, for us, the Trasoni family won't be a thing that exists in the New Heavens and New Earth. The Palaz family won't be something that exists. Instead, we'll be in a perpetual state of membership in the church, but singleness. Yeah, and that's as important as our families are, as important as what goes on in those, all those different relationships that we have, it's not eternal. And so... Uh, but we don't want to make this well. It's you know it's only going to last for a century at best, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, certainly not. But we we have to put in perspective that that time God has given us that entrusted that to us for this time. But it's not ultimate. Um, so when it comes to the discipleship of the rising generations, whose job is it? Is it the family or the church's job? So uh, last time we last podcast we had we recorded like literally forty five minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> I answered a question uh, was a either or with yes, and this is another either or that I'm going to answer yes. I think the dad is clearly the main spiritual leader, but one way that dads and mothers as well spiritually lead their children is uh, by being in church as a family, uh, and I think the church even as an equipper the church works alongside and equips and supplements uh, parental discipleship. Yeah, it's uh, yeah more responsibility lies with the parents, but when there's kids who are in the orbit of the church, the, the church does bear some responsibility for that. Um, so, Tony, briefly, how do you think churches can partner with the discipleship era efforts of individual families? I mean, we talk about this in a lot of different ways, but just if you're going to sum it up. Yeah, so, and summing it up, I think one way to sum it up is do what they do. Uh, so find what the uh, parents are doing successfully and come alongside and help them in it and find ways that incorporate that in the church. I think that's a very brief way to put it. Yeah, I mean, you want to encourage them, you want to equip them and um, reiterate and, and promote that they are the, the ones who are the primary spiritual influencers, caregivers to their kids, however you want to describe that, but that we can't replace them. Um, now, are there any dangers for families in relationship to the local church? Because every local church is made up of various family unions. Um, 
when it comes to that that dynamic of family discipleship and then also you're part of a local church, are there dangers that families might encounter in connection to the church? One is one that we've talked about multiple times before, but I think it's really important to reiterate again, is uh, a huge danger of families' relationship to the church is the drop-off approach. Uh, the approach of, of having the professional do the work of discipling your children or youth. I think that's unbiblical and dangerous, and evidence shows that that's going to lead to low statistical likability that your child will continue in the faith as an adult. Uh, but I think another danger danger would be legalistically condemning the church's ministries uh, to ch- children and youth. Uh, so, you know, I know of a man that uh, he read a very good book, uh, the Perspectives on Family Ministry, which has some different approaches to family ministry. Uh, and he came to a very extreme conclusion that any kind of children or youth ministry within the church is uh, is wrong. And his response to that was not to take his kids away from that, but was to, uh, was to indict and slander his church uh, for having that kind of thing, to, for not immediately changing everything about their structure, uh, and dropping it all in a moment's notice. And I think that kind of reaction is, is hugely dangerous and maybe even as dangerous as the drop-off approach. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I think um, I think you're right. Which of those two do you think is more common? Oh, I think the first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. Um, yeah, I think there's much more that that happens. The other is a minority, but I, I, I think I've seen a similar kind of approach, and I don't think that's healthy either. So, Tony, can a family overemphasize, quote, family discipleship, where, the, you know, there's an intentional um, discipleship relationships and, and instruction and teaching and mentoring kind of thing going on in the home? Can they overemphasize that? And if so, what could it look like and who might get hurt in the process? Yeah, so... I think the overemphasizing an example of that would be well, how would it look like? It would be what I kind of last described, uh, that extreme mm-hmm. case. Uh, but I think we absolutely can, uh, and when we do this, we do something that we have a tendency of doing very often as twenty first century Americans, which is making the good the enemy of the great. Uh, and uh, and we should we can live we can accept the good and alongside the great the great which is family discipleship. Uh, and the other great, ultimately, which is the church's ministry to children and youth. Um, our, we have to realize uh, in this kind of thing that our kids' spiritual growth is a cosmic battle against the work of Satan. And to win a soul that's in rebellion against God on its own. And we therefore, we need all the tools possible. I mean, I wouldn't be content to just rely upon my family to take down Thanos uh, in the city war. <laughs> I take everything I can get. <laughs> That's a good point about um, using the weapons at your disposal. And God has called individual people, individual family members to be involved in a local church, to be connected to that local church. And so... Um, you know, even if you think culturally, I mean, I'm certainly not a historian, but it was not uncommon for people in biblical times to live with extended or very close to extended family members. So it wasn't always just the the nuclear family unit like we have today in America, and I mean, even places other places in the world now. And so those those relationships that 
that extend beyond the, the parents and the children uh, to aunts to uncles and that could even you know aunts and uncles in the faith and uh, just significant adults in their lives and there's research done about that and I think you know five is the number I've heard that it's really beneficial for children to have that many um, adult relationships that are not with their parent. Um, again, not trying to undermine parental authority and parental influence, but that you know have those people who love you, love your child, coming into the kid's life. So, what would you say? And this touches on a, a previous um, episode, but maybe we can flush it out a little bit more. What would you say to a family who regularly stays away? From public worship to have, you know, quote, family time, whether it's vacation, trips, or they just stay at home, this kind of thing. So I think when they're doing that, they're actually missing the purpose of the family and having a very, very short term, as in just this life perspective on the purpose of the family uh, and failing to realize as well with it that our faith is meant to be public. Even our families are meant to, like you said, connected, uh, connected broader beyond ourselves. Uh, but further, I think that they're setting a dangerous precedent. I think the reality is that family can become an idol, and it mm. clearly can. I think it's maybe the most common idol in our culture today, to be honest with you. Uh, and I think you're setting a dangerous precedent that idolatry of family time is a good and appropriate thing that our kids can embrace. Is What is that person valuing? I think it would be good to ask them that. And I mean, mm-hmm. is, is even as I look at this and think about it, I, there's people in our church who that's not uncommon um, or you've seen a pattern of it from time to time and you know sh- these are questions that I should ask them or should have asked them uh, at the time but you know what are you valuing when you do this and also you know probably a common excuse as well we were just so busy and so it's our time to spend together well the follow-up why are you so busy that this is the only time that you can you get to spend yeah. together as a family. Are there some things that you need to cut off the list so that you can uh, have that? Because, yeah, you do need time together as a family to grow in the, those relationships that God has entrusted to you. But you also need to be with his people, and you shouldn't have to choose between those two. Like yeah. You should plan both of those into your schedule because they are that important. Um, so, yeah. and, you know, in big moments, probably you're not going to make up for a lack of little moments if you're spending that little time together. Uh, but I think sometimes that stuff can kind of be a smoke screen for just you know excuses and laziness and things like that. Yeah. Not always, and you know I'm not trying to throw rocks at people, but I think that we can we can all of us convince ourselves of what we want to do. We can come up with reasons to um, justify it. Mm-hmm. So how about the case of a family who they stay away from um, other teaching and fellowship opportunities in the church? But not necessarily public worship. I mean, they're pretty much there um, week in and week out for the the you know public assembly of the whole church. But anything else, it's they're not really involving themselves in that. I mean, what what would you say in that case? So, like, including Sunday school, like we talked about last time. Sunday school, yes. or yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, no, that's uh, see the see the Sunday school episode uh, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so I would never call that sin. Just like I said about Sunday school, I think, I mean, the Bible never tells you to be there Wednesday night, never tells you to be there Sunday school, never tells you to be there on a special Sunday evening service, whatever your church has. Uh, but I think that limiting to just that kind of short worship service time, being the family that comes in late and leaves right away, 
It's unwise. And it doesn't utilize all the tools that God has given us for the discipleship of our kids. And I think it stands at least against the biblical precedent. Because I think the Bible, even in Acts, it acknowledges the church being together on a regular basis that I think involved more than just having a quick time together for an hour. And they're just going back to your own family routine. Right, so you run out the back door so you can get to the restaurant first. Yeah, of course. You got to get there. Especially if they're <laughs> going to run out of bacon, you know? That's right. All get to heaven faster together. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about that on the Sunday School episode. Uh, I think it's just one of those, why aren't you taking advantage of these? Uh, and it's, also, it's an opportunity to minister to others, to be fed, and to surround your kids with, and your youth with God's people. And that's that's really really valuable so what do kids and youth stand to gain by being involved in the local church along with their parents they gain stand to gain a lot uh, a lot a great deal i think one thing that they stand to gain is a real thing that's significant is christian friends uh mm. Friends that walk with Jesus, that sharpen one another as the iron sharpens the iron. Uh, and I've seen of uh, cases where, even in children's ministry, uh, that children have grown up in Christ together and have pointed one another to Jesus. Even in a class that's been spiritually beneficial. And that's something that establishes you for life. Hey, maybe even uh, sets up a marriage within the church one day. Uh, <laughs> but the Bible... Exactly, yeah. The Bible talks so much about these one another's, uh, that talking about serving one another, loving one another. One another is this term that comes over and over and over again in the New Testament. Uh, and the church is where the one another's become lived out, where we act out those one another's. It's where the place where it's meant to happen, where our love and our embrace towards one another is meant to be manifested. In fact, it's actually our greater family that's bigger, our ultimate family that's going to last forever. Uh, I mean, it's our future that when we get involved in the local church alongside alongside parents as a whole family, we see our present family, but we also see and connect to the future family that we're going to be closer to. I mean, I think there's biblical evidence that might say that in the new heavens and the earth, you might be every bit as close uh, to the Christian that uh, was in the pew five uh, five ahead of you that you barely interacted with. Then you'll be as uh, you'll be every bit as close to that person as you will your wife or your father or your child in the new heavens new earth i think you're right that there's there's so much there um and just the, the friendships and just the wider influence of godly people and the love that they can show for uh, for your children and for your family and i know we have benefited from that as a family and my kids have seen that when we lived uh away from from extended family and there was a couple in the church that they were close to us, and the, the man, his health was not good, but uh, he he prayed. He, he couldn't do a lot physically, but he, he told me, I pray for you every day, and I believed him. And his wife, uh, there was times she'd have my daughter come over and play you know, with princess dresses and things that her granddaughters had played with, and uh, just those kinds of things. It's really rich, and seeing other godly people around them. Uh, and you were talking about the friendship. I mean, I've got a friend who um, he is in ministry now, and he and I went to church you know, in Sunday school like when we were in kindergarten. And um, we didn't always go to the same 
local church, but we did for a number of years, and um, that was a friendship that was forged. And there was also school involved and things like that. But um, anyway, I mean, just a testimony to that. Um, but I think it's also, you know, in America, we don't need any any help in becoming more self focused. And in the culture that we live in, it's just so emphasized. And then the widespread use of so social media and cell phones and that kind of thing. And, you know, with the, the young people that you're working with, I'm sure a lot of use of the cell phone. And so it just absorbs them in their own little world. Even though they're connecting with other people digitally, they're very focused into what's happening in that screen. And I think that it helps them see that they're caught up in something bigger than them and their narrow vision of life. Like, you know, this they're part of this organism that spans the ages of God's people. And I think that can be helpful to just broaden their horizon uh, in a, a real sense. Yeah. So, Tony, how should parents look to the local church and lean on it for help in raising their kids, uh, as Ephesians 6, 4 says, in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of things that uh, can take place with this. Uh, I think parents should take the resources offered and that equip parents for the discipleship of their kids seriously. Uh, so, for example, I mean, perhaps your church offers parenting seminars or, you know, discipleship seminars, family worship uh, classes, something like that. I embrace that. Don't just see that as something that's for uh, the, the parents that are worse off, the parents that aren't in the situation of life that I'm in, uh, but see that as relevant to you, as, as a gift to you to partner with a local church. Uh, but also, I think, uh, get the wisdom of the elders of the church, uh, the elders as in the elders and the pastors of the local church uh, and the discipleship of kids. I think um, often the spiritual leaders of the church have so much to say. And instead of, uh, instead of looking on Google uh, for input in biblical parenting on how we shepherd our kids, I mean, utilize the resource that are your pastors uh, in shepherding and discipling your kids. They know the ultimate true authority that is the Word of God. Uh, but I think also another way that uh, parents look to the local church, and this is they look, look to the local church to see the other side of our kids in an encouraging and sometimes in rebuking ways. So, you know, I've known of a, um, recently I was talking to a parent within our church, uh, and I was really encouraged by their by uh by their daughter and uh they were saying that uh i was you know very encouraged really was seeing a lot of growth and a lot of maturity in their daughter and they felt that uh they were surprised by that because they they wished that they'd seen that at home more often uh and you know and i think it was an encouragement to them to see that there's more than just what they see uh but then you know i mean there might be a situation where uh, your child is a bully uh, towards other children in sunday school uh, your child is not receptive to the lesson uh, and, and when he, when you're not present and you can kind of see where you need to shepherd your child in ways that you really wouldn't have known about. That's that's really good. I like that um, because there's so much, you know, the parents just miss things and there can be blind spots and, and receiving that encouragement. Yeah, I think that you, the things that you said covered that well. You just got the wisdom of other believers in those relationships. Um, God wanted you to interact with real people who know you and not just Google uh, Google can give you some some good things, but you know you have real people who know you and love you. Um, so, what can the local church provide families in raising their kids in the Lord's ways 
that that family can't really get on their own. Is there anything that you you know beyond what you're just talking about that, that you would add to that? I think the ordinary means of grace. I mean, it's just the reality mm-hmm. is that I mean, a family in no biblical sense can offer the Lord's Supper, baptism. They can't offer the word preached. Uh, I mean, they can't offer congregational music uh, unless, you know, they're like the Duggars, maybe. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But uh, I think also a benefit is it helps them by, uh, it offers the ability for your child and for your youth to see that faith is something that's beyond what's just in our house. Uh, And I think it likewise provides different perspective and different uh, cultural and background blinders uh, that are present in the body. The reality is that we're all influenced by our particular uh, background perspective, sometimes in a way that uh, that leads to unfaithfulness, sometimes in ways that lead to faithfulness. And I think seeing another person's blinder and perspectives is what helps you see what's true and what you're missing sometimes. Yeah, you you should not ideally be practicing uh, you know the ordinances and the, the common area means of grace at your house and I could maybe on the frontier missions or something like that where there's not an established church but uh, church discipline I mean there's there's home discipline for sure but it's a different thing than church discipline so there are, are there any resources that you think address this dynamic well for those who might be struggling with this or thinking through it I mean you mentioned you had your friend that, that wrote uh, read that that uh, was a three or four views book, and he, you know, went one direction with that. Um, but are there? I mean, would you recommend that resource or anything else? Or I would, uh, but on top of that, I would recommend uh, which that resource is uh, for uh, views of family ministry. Uh, oh, let me hold on. Uh, that to views on family ministry, we can edit this. Um, uh, hold on, because I was going to refer to a couple other things, but since you asked. Perspective. All right, uh, and that book actually is Perspectives on Family Ministry, uh, and it's uh, written by a variety of authors from different perspectives. It's made by Zondervan. Uh, but I think he, some other really good resources are, uh, one, as actually a kid's book uh, that really connects this really well, is the uh, book by the Sojourn uh, that Sojourn Community Church in Louisville, Kentucky has pr- produced uh, called What is Church?, I think that's just a really uh, sweet uh, coloring, uh, that little book, a small little book with with great uh, illustrations and pictures uh, that kind of explains what the church is uh, in a way that, and and how it even connects to the family. Uh, But also, uh, Timothy Paul Jones, who's a professor of mine at seminary, I don't know if you took any classes with him or not. Uh, but I did not. He he wrote a book called Practical Family Ministry, and I think it really embraces how that church works with the uh, family rather than against, and how you know the church offers things in some ways that the family can't offer. I, I've seen the Sojourn book you were talking about. I have not read it, and uh, yeah, Timothy Paul Jones, great author, it's a very engaging writer. Uh, I think he can bring some big concepts and put them in a, a memorable way. And I, I've heard him speak a number of times. And so he's written pretty widely about family ministry. Yeah, I don't know that I would really add to the list. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure there's some things out there or specific uh, elements of a book or something like that, but they're just they're not there. I need to do a better job at cataloging my reading notes. Um, and, and like you know, we both said at the beginning or towards the beginning, more people are kind of prone to the drop off thing, but there are also people who overdo it on the family and they think and so it can be like a almost house church i know of a case like that where the family sort of did home church 
um, which meant just nuclear family church from what I understand. Uh, and then now at least one of the adult children, it's uh, very, very much a struggle for her to go to, like I guess what we'd call a normal church, to a, a local yeah. assembly of people that she's not related to. And just, I'm not sure all, of, you know, that's, that's the issue there. Um, but I think that was a family with good intentions. And I know of other families that have done similar things. And ultimately, that's just not what God intended. I mean, you look at the New Testament letters, there's there's a group of people who are there that they're not all part of the same. They don't all share the same last name. Yeah. Um, and so as much as family ministry is important, family discipleship uh, in the home, it's not the only thing. And so the, the, the local church has a, a vital role to play. And it's, it's just it's understanding the importance of that. And over the past century or so, we kind of lost out on the importance of the church. And they're just being recovered. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, definitely. I think so. I think that we've headed in a positive direction in this aspect. But, I mean, we definitely need to be careful that we never go to too far extremes. And that's the, the difficulty with our fallen human nature. We tend to swing like a wild pendulum back and forth. And so hopefully the Lord will give us wisdom and grace to, to not do that in our own families, our own church. Amen. So well, thanks for talking about this stuff with me, Tony, today. Uh, it, was, it was beneficial, and I hope it was be beneficial to our listeners. God bless. Have a good week, brother. You too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.